Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The Red Apple Media Podcast Network presents... This is Protecting America. Now, here's Emmy-winning journalist Rita Cosby. Welcome to another edition of Protecting America. A tsunami of reactions after a never-before-done Supreme Court leak of a draft decision potentially overturning Roe v. Wade. How big of a threat is this leak to the integrity of the Supreme Court? What should happen to the leaker? Is this a crime? And how big of an issue will this be on both sides of the intense political fight? Well, joining us now to discuss all of this and more is Fox News legal and political analyst Greg Jarrett. Greg, so great to have you join us. Good to be with you, Rita, as always. What's your reaction, first of all, to the fact that this leak happened? I was stunned. You know the high court well. What was your reaction? Well, I was on with Sean Hannity on his program literally minutes after the story came out in Politico. And frankly, I didn't believe it. It was unfathomable to me that someone within the Supreme Court would breach this sacred duty of trust that they're sworn to uphold. They commit themselves. If it's a clerk, for example, they have an ethical duty as lawyers to abide by the rules of the court. And the rules are set forth the very first moment the clerks walk into the Supreme Court. And that is to maintain the secrecy and confidentiality of all deliberations conversations, writings of all kinds, including all draft opinions. And to think that someone would besmirch the good name and reputation and the integrity of the court by breaching that sacred duty of trust to me was just unimaginable. So I was cautious in reacting to it, saying, you know, not sure if it's genuine. And of course, Within hours the next morning, the Chief Justice, John Roberts, uh, verified that, in fact, yes, this is a draft opinion, which inexorably changes. It gets changed not only in terms of the language, but sometimes in terms of the votes, which is what we saw in the famous Brown versus Board of Education. The votes changed dramatically in between the time that case was assigned for writing and the time that the final vote and the signatures on the opinion appeared. So, you know, these are deliberations that are supposed to be protected so that Supreme Court justices can be free from the exertion of outside undue influences. And to think that that didn't happen here in an important case really, to me, is just terrible. Yeah, I agree. It's shocking. You know, you mentioned how it has changed in the past. How often do opinions change? And do you think the motivation of the leaker was to do that? 
Well, there have been a number of cases in which justices have flipped and in turn flipped the decision from one way to the opposite way. More often in cases like Brown versus Board of Education, you know, it goes from a narrow 5-4 to a greater, you know, unanimous decision. And so clearly to me, whoever did this had a motivation. And the only logical motivation is that they were trying to gin up uh, public outrage to affect the Supreme Court's final decision. And, you know, to me, it's not just unethical, and whoever did it, assuming it's, you know, a clerk, should be, you know, disbarred, but they should also be criminally prosecuted. Yeah, let's talk about the leak, the actual leak. What do you think could happen? You mentioned it could be a crime. Explain. It could be several crimes. And, you know, as usual, the pundits and the publications who say, oh, leaking's not a crime, they're wrong. Of course, they're always wrong, so at least they're consistent. So there's, let's begin with the crime of theft. It's a felony to embezzle or steal or purloin government property and to convert it for your own use or the use of somebody else. A couple of statutes, 18 U.S.C. 641 and 1505. The property or record has to have value, but the courts have ruled that information is value. Then there's the crime of obstruction of justice. Anyone who corruptly attempts to exert undue influence in a legal proceeding and a pending proceeding before a federal court is guilty of obstruction. That's 18 U.S.C. 1505. If it can be shown that the intent was, as I say, to trigger public outrage, to affect the justices, then certainly that crime, that statute has been met. Finally, you know, computer fraud. We don't know exactly how this was accessed or disseminated, but if a person had authorized access to a computer containing this government record, the opinion, that doesn't permit that person to share it with others who don't have authorization. So if a computer was used in some way to download, transmit the draft opinion to somebody outside the Supreme Court, well, that government employee is guilty of exceeding authorized access, and that's 18 U.S.C. 1030. So I think we can assume the leaker is a government employee, unless we've got a burglar here, and then you have all sorts of other crimes. But it's probably a government employee, and you have to remember that employee, that employee doesn't own the opinion of the high court. That's the property of the government. Supreme Court has strict rules governing both access and confidentiality, as we talked about. And only the court can dictate the dissemination of an opinion to the general public. And, you know, the laws I cited exist to protect those rules with criminal prosecution. The law should be utilized with uh, vigor to bring this person or persons to justice. How hard will it be to track down? As you mentioned, if it's a court employee, they'll, what, go through their records, they'll obviously interview everybody. How hard will it be to pin it down? Well, there are a couple of factors. First, it's a small group of people, right? So you're not talking about interviewing a vast number of individuals. And second of all, it depends on how careful or how sloppy the leaker was. 
So there are, you know, among the first things they'll do is see who has downloaded what off the computer system. Maybe it was a hard copy, and they used a copier to produce a copy that was then leaked to Politico. So they'll be trying to track it down through copying machines. But I suspect, and they should, they should bring in the FBI, by the way. Yes, John Roberts has directed the Marshall Accord to investigate, and that's good. And I applaud him for that. But that's not enough. He's not equipped. You need the FBI, and you need a grand jury to be convened. And the FBI has subpoena power through the grand jury. And you bring people into a room, and you tell them that they are under law, required to tell the truth, and if they don't tell the truth, they can be prosecuted under 18 U.S.C. 1001, lying to a grand jury. So, you know, who knows? You know, maybe this person will step forward. His or her career, I think, is ruined, although, you know, the left, the far left, will, you know, create this image of a championed martyr, and they'll laud this individual for leaking this information. So, you know, we'll wait and see. I do think there is a very good chance that the FBI can get to the bottom of this, but I think it's important they convene a grand jury to do so based on the potential crimes I've cited. Do you think that the perpetrator will be caught, typically in a crime like this, Greg Jarrett? You know, leaks to news organizations that are crimes, for example, classified documents that are stolen and leaked or simply, you know, leaked without authorization in violation of law. I mean, that's a crime. And quite often people are not caught because it's a huge group of people who could be the leaker and it's hard to track that down. But here again, it's a self-contained building. There aren't that many employees who would have had access to it. So I don't know about their camera situation in the building because that's a closely guarded secret as well. So, you know, they're going to be looking at every possible avenue. But I'd say there's a fairly good chance that the person might be caught. What do you think the chances that it may be a Supreme Court justice, him or herself? I doubt very much. Just by reading the political story, which said they went through an extensive vetting process. Well, they wouldn't need to do that if the opinion came directly from one of the nine justices. And so I think it's more likely that it's an employee of the court. And of course, the betting money is that it was a law clerk who was aggrieved at what the initial vote was and aggrieved over the draft opinion and decided to try to take action. Now, I think it'll backfire. I mean, I don't think that any of the justices are going to flip. I think it's going to have the opposite effect. I think it'll steal their resolve to stick to their initial vote. I mean, certainly people like Clarence Thomas and Sam Alito are are not going to change their minds. Gorsuch, Kavanaugh, Barrett, I just don't think so. I think they've always had strong opinions on this. And all this nonsense that we always hear in these confirmation hearings about precedents 
and super precedents that have to be respected. And, of course, Democrats in the last couple of confirmation hearings have said they can never be overturned. That's nonsense. Dozens and dozens and dozens of cases in the last 250 years in the U.S. Supreme Court have been reversed. They've been overturned because they were bad decisions. You can talk about some famous ones. The most horrendous of all was Dred Scott, only to be followed by an equally bad case, Plessy versus Ferguson. And eventually these things were overturned. So, you know, I call this idea of stare decisis and precedent nonsense. I remember bringing it up in law school to my law professor, one of them, and saying, but, but wait a minute, they reverse themselves fairly frequently. So what's the point of following precedent as, you know, this super respected doctrine if, you know, if you don't follow it yourselves? So, Greg Jarrett, when you saw the opinion and you were reading that these were Alito's words and after you read through it, did you believe, yes, it was sincere after a while because he basically was saying there isn't a constitutional protection and that there's something special about this particular issue? Yes, absolutely. I mean, the more I read it, the more I became convinced that it was indeed a draft opinion. You know, I noted that there wasn't the usual elegant language and sort of the flowery prose that it, you often see in important Supreme Court decisions. But then I reminded myself that that's not Sam Alito's style. He's very forthright and direct. He believes that important decisions in particular that are going to be read by the general public need to be understood by the general public. It reminds me of Jefferson and the Declaration of Independence. It bears no resemblance to many of Jefferson's other writings. Why? Because Jefferson said, I needed everyone to understand what it was that we were doing. And I had to use very plain, straightforward, understandable language that everybody could comprehend. And Sam Alito, I think, believes that as well. And so the more I read it, the more I said, well, yeah, it'll change. It'll be refined. But the core of it is there. And it's exactly where I thought the U.S. Supreme Court would eventually go. Because there is, and never has been for the last 49 years, any reasonable justification for the Roe versus Wade decision. Even among those people, uh, historians and academics who have read that opinion and who are pro-choice advocates have come to recognize that what the court did back then, it was a completely different court, is that they read into the Constitution something that doesn't exist. Nowhere in the text or the logic or the reasoning or the understanding of the Constitution is there a standalone independent right to privacy, which would give rise to a right to an abortion? Now, people misunderstand that, well, this ends abortion. The Supreme Court is ending abortion in America. Nonsense. That's just not true. It reverts the power to the states. So, you know, what the Supreme Court is really saying is this is not the court's business. We're not saying no abortions. We're saying that's the people's business. 
and their elected representatives in their state legislatures or in the Congress of the United States. You know, I've wondered, well, why why hasn't Congress passed a law, codified the right to an abortion? The answer, of course, is that they don't have the votes and never have had the votes. They still don't have the votes. And so they relied on a misinterpretation of the Constitution by the justices back in 1973 in Roe v. Wade. Now explain to everybody why they don't have the votes. I understand, of course, given the dynamics, but why to the average person listening, why don't they have the votes to do it? Yeah, I mean, the average person who you know may not pay close attention to the machinations of Congress on Capitol Hill may not realize that you know there are quite a few Democrats who are pro-life. There are some Republicans who sort of lean pro-choice, but there are more Democrats who would not be willing to vote a right into law for an abortion. And I think they're more comfortable in leaving it up to the state legislatures, which is the way it was pre, you know, 1973. It was up to the states. And so that's what would happen. It would restore the power to the states. And the Constitution talks about this, the Reserve Clause. Those rights not enumerated in the Constitution by the framers, those powers are reserved for the states to decide rights. And they do that quite frequently. But the right to privacy and an abortion is not one of them. Yes, there are some enumerated rights in the Constitution that concern aspects of privacy, for example, the, you know, the Fourth Amendment. But there is no independent, separate right to privacy in the Constitution. So let me ask you, of course, at the fallout, because we've already heard from President Biden and other Democrats saying not only, you know, is Roe v. Wade in jeopardy, but almost it seems like almost all your freedoms, all your personal rights are in jeopardy to do a broad brush and use this to their political advantage, clearly. Yeah, I mean, you know, you've got some members of Congress who don't know what they're talking about. I noted one member of the squad saying the Supreme Court's not authorized to do this. They don't have the power to do this. Even Joe Biden said, you know, what the Supreme Court was doing was too broad. Joe really needs to sit down and spend a couple of days reading through the Constitution. Clearly, he was asleep in law school, although he was kicked out of law school. And he also should read Marbury versus Madison, which gives the United States Supreme Court the power to decide whether acts by the other two branches of government are constitutional. And that's precisely what this court is, is doing in the Mississippi case. And it's what the Supreme Court has always done. And, you know, to think that people like Joe Biden, a member and members, plural, of Congress, don't comprehend that, uh, to me, is, is really both humiliating and laughable. Of course, the Supreme Court has the ability to decide whether something is constitutional or not. That's their job. But, you know, you've got members of Congress, you know, some of whom are dumber than a bucket of hair and don't even understand basic principles in a constitutional republic. How heated it already is, and you know it's going to get a lot more intense and a lot more fiery as the midterms are right around the corner. 
Yeah, and, you know, Democrats uh, rather predictably are claiming that this is a game changer, that Democrats are going to go in droves to the polls and that control of Congress will not now flip, notwithstanding the abysmal approval ratings of Joe Biden and Democrats at large. I think it cuts both ways. I think it will motivate people on the left and the right. People on the right will likely say, you know, this is exactly what we want, and we recognize that Democrats don't like it and liberals don't like it, and they're going to be going to the polls. So we're going to go to the polls, too, to ensure that the control of Congress goes the other way. And I think there are a lot of independents who are on the fence about the issue of abortion. And I frankly just don't see this changing the course of what's going to happen in the upcoming November elections. And Greg Jarrett, how devastating, just as we get back to the focus of the leak, is this leak to the integrity of the high court? How much of a blemish do you think this is? Well, they'll recover from it, although, you know, I think much depends on the investigation. If the leaker is uncovered, I think the opinion will come out basically as it's written. It'll read differently because they always do over the course of several months. You know, some justices, they have conferences and, you know, some justices will say, you know, I don't like this language. Can we use this language instead? And, you know, there's a give and take, a collegiality and so forth. It'll change when we read it in June, if it comes out in June, and that's when it probably will come out. The votes, I don't think, are going to change at all. But a lot will depend on the ensuing investigation and any prosecution of the leaker upon discovery, if discovered. But, you know, this is still the Supreme Court. I mean, you look at any of the polling data, the Supreme Court has higher ratings than just about any other branch of government and department or agency. It's always been respected. You know, people, you should never judge the Supreme Court by the acrimony of the confirmation hearings over the last 30 years. People actually respect the work of the Supreme Court. And, you know, interestingly enough, they have a lot of consensus and unanimous decisions. Just the day before the leak, they issued a unanimous decision on a conservative group flying a flag in a government building saying, yes, you can do this. So, People respect the Supreme Court. It's not going to ruin the Supreme Court, but it's certainly a black eye for now. Yeah, definitely. I agree as well. Well, Greg Jarrett, thank you for all you do to protect our government and to protect our country. It's great to have you with us. Rita, my pleasure. Always good talking to you. And everybody, I'll be back soon with another great edition of Protecting America. And of course, you can catch me every weeknight, 10 p.m. to midnight, on the legendary WABC Radio. This is Rita Cosby, and thanks for all you do to protect America.